Going Linux, episode 280, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, listener feedback. If you want to send us feedback, our email is goinglinux at gmail.com and our voicemail is 1-904-468-7889. Hey, welcome back, Bill. It's been a few episodes since you've been uh, on the show and... uh... Yeah, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I had some family matters to take care of. They're pretty much stable right now, so that's all I'm going to say on that matter. Yeah. Uh, well, and and I understand that you're actually moving house, so uh, hopefully that doesn't interfere with your being on the next episodes. Doesn't sound like it will. It shouldn't. If everything goes according to plan, um, everything should be moved over by tomorrow or Tuesday, so... Hopefully by the time we get recording, I'll have everything set back up and ready to go. So I'm kind of excited to get out of, uh, go to a little smaller place that's easier for me to uh, take care of. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Don't anyway. say that. Don't say that. Oh. <laughs> no, things will go fine, though. Oh, uh, you just had to say that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> Ugh. We we won't edit that out of the... Uh-huh. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we get started with our episode? Uh, let's do. Okay. Our first voicemail comes from Mark in Dallas, and he asks us to do a podcast on speech dictation in Linux and compare it to Dragon. Let's play Mark's voicemail. My name is Mark. I live in Dallas. I've been listening to your podcast for quite a number of years. I was wondering if you would please do a po- podcast on speech dictation in Linux and uh, see what's available. I just recently discovered there was something available in speech dictation in Ubuntu and was wanting to learn more about that as well as what else is available and how it compares with the uh, Windows products. And uh, if you needed me to give feedback on that, since I'm, uh, because of disabilities, a heavy user of Dragon Naturally Speaking uh, Premium, I will also send an email so that you can uh, reach me as well. Thanks. Bye. So I have looked at some of the alternatives. We've done a little bit in the past on voice dictation or speech dictation software and speech recognition software. And things have progressed just a tiny bit since our last review of this kind of software. And that's not facetious. That is just a tiny bit of progress. Uh, So we've provided a couple of links, Mark, uh, in our show notes. The first one is to the Alternative 2 site that will list alternatives to Dragon Naturally Speaking. And what you'll find is under Linux, there are three listed there. 
in addition to the Unity Voice that you were mentioning, you've tried out in Ubuntu. Turns out that Unity Voice is actually based on one of the three that's listed in Alternatives 2. Uh, there's a um, package called Sphinx or CMU Sphinx, and they have a version of that called Pocket Sphinx, which according to their website, let me just go to their website. Where is it? Here it is. Um, and by the way, they have changed the link uh, from the link that's provided in the Alternatives 2 site. They used to be on SourceForge, and now they are on GitHub. So we have the link in our show notes to CMU Sphinx. And according to uh, their website, it says, Pocket Sphinx is a lightweight speech recognition engine specifically tuned for handheld and mobile devices, though it works equally well on the desktop. And so Pocket Sphinx, you'll find, is the basis for a couple of these. So Unity Voice is in Ubuntu, and it's available in the repositories for Linux Mint, and I'm sure other Ubuntu-based Linux distributions, uh, is uh, based on Pocket Sphinx as well. The next one on the list is Simon, and Simon is uh, part of the KDE project, and according to... What's on Alternative 2, the description reads, Simon is highly configurable, targeted speech recognition software. Simon features a whole new recognition layer, context awareness for improved accuracy and performance, a dialogue system able to hold conversations with user, and more. And going to the KDE project site, you'll find out that it's probably been updated last a couple of years ago. So not a lot of progress on that, at least recently. The KDE project uh, does not reference what theirs is based on. That's the Simon speech recognition. And I am not sure whether it's based on Sphinx or not. Uh, let's assume for a second that it is completely independent. So the next one on the list is Pocket Sphinx itself. Uh, and so I've read the description on that. Uh, you can install Pocket Sphinx directly from the Ubuntu and Linux Mint repositories. And again, I'm sure other repositories have Pocket Sphinx, so you can install it yourself. And the last one on our list here is Blather, B-L-A-T-H-E-R. We've mentioned that before. It's a project from Jezra. And looking at Jezra's site, uh, it says uh, Blather is a speech recognizer that will run commands when a user speaks preset sentences. And I believe it's command line, if I'm not mistaken. It looks like they have a GTK and a Qt uh, graphical user interface that you can install as well, based on Python. And it is not available, at least in the Linux Mint repository, so you'll need to download it from Jezra's site. But um, we'll provide a link in the show notes if you want to try that one out as well. That is also based on Pocket Sphinx. We've mentioned Blather in the past because it's one of the ones that Jonathan Nato was looking at adding into his project, the um, Sonar GNU Linux project. Uh, any of those is probably a, a good choice for the current state of speech or voice dictation under Linux. 
Okay, our first email is from Alex. Alex writes, Larry, and Bill, if he ever comes back, I usually, welcome back, Bill. Thanks. Um, I, I usually, I usually always, isn't that a bit of a contradiction mm -hmm. in terms? Anyway, let's continue. I usually always use the BitTorrent links when downloading my distros. I always seed the download after I'm done. I feel this is small, but still a way to give back to the distro by saving bandwidth costs. I checked out linuxtracker.org. Uh, and it seems that they just add their tracker to the distro's torrent and host it. I checked three different distro torrents, Ubuntu and Turgos and Arch, and all the hashes match up. LinuxTracker.org even keeps the default tracker from the original torrent. Aside from the uncomfortable amount of ads and the 1990s design, the site seems to be legit. I agree with you, though. It's best to get the file from a known good source. I will continue to download my torrent files from the distro websites themselves. Great show. Keep up the good work, Alex. Thanks, Alex, for those words of wisdom. And thanks for checking out LinuxTracker.org. I had not tried it. I wasn't sure whether it was a legitimate site or not. I have no reason to doubt it. And it looks like you've confirmed at least on a cursory level, that it seems to be legitimate. So thanks, Alex. Yeah, I've used it. It's okay. It's just a lot okay. of ads. Yeah, exactly. Our second email comes from David in East Sussex, England, and he writes, Larry, although I have been using Linux exclusively for six years, I really liked Podcast 279. It was an excellent summary of why Linux is so useful. A few days ago, my brother-in-law asked me to put Linux on his nine-year-old Dell Inspiron 1300 laptop. It had been limping along with Windows XP and I finally persuaded him to let me give it a new lease on life by removing XP and replacing it with a lightweight distro. Unfortunately Peppermint OS didn't seem to like the touchpad plus the sound didn't work. Rather than trying to fix these problems I tried www.lxle.net as soon as the live DVD was loaded, the sound, touchpad, and Wi-Fi all worked first time without any tweaking. Extremely pleasing. My brother-in-law now has his laptop back and is pleased with its increased speed after months of sluggish Windows XP. I often have to resurrect old computers for friends and family, and for, from now on, LXLE will be the first distro I try. Keep up the good work. I listen to every one of your podcasts. Regards, David. Thanks, David. Yeah, thanks. And LXLE is one of those that I've tried on older computers because it is lightweight, and I'm glad it's worked out for you. That's great. Okay, we have a couple of notes on episode 279 from some internet famous people. So the first one is from Nightwise, a short text Hey, Larry, good episode on going Linux. Nice primer episode to get people into Linux and clear up some FUD. And from Martin Wimpress, he wrote me an email, said, Just listen to Going Linux 279. Excellent. I think what you've created in 279 communicates what I've been trying to do with the Ubuntu Mate website. And thanks to both of you for those comments. I appreciate it. Yeah. Our next email comes from Ambrose, and he wrote Larry and the other guy. I guess I'm the other guy. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, I do listen to each and every episode. It's just that I'm about 10 episodes behind, so I just realized you read my email on the show. 
And frankly, the fame is becoming a burden. <laughs> I can only date so many women at a time. <laughs> oh, what a problem to have, oh, yeah, okay. I tried using Zev to get the key codes to the media keys, but didn't have much success. Some of the media keys have a key code. Some produce no output, and some, including the volume keys, which give me the most trouble, produce focus out in events and a key map modify, but no key code. Short of opening the case and disconnecting the wires, I'm not sure what else to try. I also heard a question on the show concerning the safety of linuxtracker.org. I can't vouch for them either way, but I have downloaded several turrets from them without any problems that I know of. The DistroWatch newsletter usually links it to them, so I suppose that's a recommendation of some sort. If you look at the reputation item at the top of the Linux Tracker website, you can see that tort uploads are graded using a point system, so downloaded torts from users you trust. Anyway, thanks for the help, that Magnificent Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> well, Magnificent Ambrose, I'm sorry that we haven't helped you to the point where you've solved your problem with the media keys. If I remember correctly, your hand bumps them and it causes all kinds of problems for you. Um, if any of our listeners have any suggestions for... Ambrose, perhaps you can include that in our Google Plus community. That's our community where you can provide direct feedback to both us and to other members of the community. So give that a try and let's see if we can help out Ambrose. Our next email is from Tony. Hey, Larry. You know, Bill, be off the podcast for a few episodes and people start forgetting about you, I That's guess. Right. Forget your name. <laughs> they just don't remember your aunt. Anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I would like to thank you for helping me in getting the problem with the screen size solved. Uh, well, you're welcome. Tony. <laughs> now, I got another good one for you. I'm having a problem with audio either with the TV or with radio stations that are broadcasting in stereo over the Internet. The problem is that the sound coming out of my TV speaker or speakers is not balanced. When it comes to listening to music over the Internet, the sound must be balanced, and it's not. This is the only problem, hopefully, that I will ever have again. <laughs> so I hope that you can solve this problem like you solved the other problems that I had. Regards... Cherry Hill Tony. Okay, if I read this correctly, I think what this is, is that when you play the audio from your computer over the TV, so you've got the computer's uh, audio output connected to the TV, the left and the right speakers are not at the same volume. So let's go on that assumption. First thing to check is the hardware. Make sure that where you've plugged in the audio, if it's an analog stereo plug, that it is plugged in all the way uh, and that it's making a good connection because oftentimes, especially with the 3.5 millimeter connections or the eighth inch uh, audio connections on many computers, it's got multiple rings on that thing. And if you have it pushed in part way, it will play the left audio just fine and the right audio isn't making a good connection or vice versa and so you really get unbalanced audio or you really may even only get one of the two channels so 
that's the first thing to check. Make sure on both sides that the connection is made uh, correctly on hardware. Yeah, another thing he can do is check the settings on his computer and make sure that the audio settings are set correctly. Uh, make sure that the um, the balance is set and uh, also make sure he has the right codecs installed. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, certainly the simplest of those is to just check the left and right balance. And even if it's sitting there in the center, uh, it's okay to move it left or right to make it balanced correctly for your TV. So, you know, you may have to do that because of the way that the audio has been produced. It may not be uh, centered left yeah, and right. That could be. Yeah, check that out. Uh, just make the adjustment. That's what it's for. Good luck, Tony. Okay, our final feedback is a Gone Linux story from Martin. And he starts, this is a long one, so we'll break it up into parts here, Bill, okay? Oh, sure. He writes, Hi, Larry and Bill. I'm writing up my going Linux experience to hopefully inspire others to join the Linux revolution. It's split into a number of episodes as described below. Please feel free to use these however you like. One, introduction. My first post has to be an introduction, at least, so you know where I'm coming from. So I've been around computing for almost 30 years, but I have only been employed in the industry for two of those. I started at DOS 5.0 or thereabouts with IBM PCs and have been working with Microsoft ever since. I remember the first Microsoft Windows, struggled with Win 3.11 networks, and learned my server skills at NT4. So I am happy to play with command line, and I know where to find the nitty-gritty under-the-hood bits to make things work in Microsoft land. I'm even happy within the registry. As for Linux, well, my earliest memory is 1992. At university, we were all happy sharing the few Unix SGI SPAC stations. That may be Spark. My friend who was using up his runtime allocation decided to build a Linux PC. I helped for a day or two and gave up after losing a battle with a Nick driver. It took him weeks but a working installation linked to the uni network was made. Kudos to him. After that, I left a long gap until 2010 when I built a pure Debian laptop with GNOME GUI. But I couldn't get the thing to talk to parts of my network and got lazy and gave up digging under the bonnet. I still run the laptop, though. Now I have found the Going Linux podcast and have been inspired again. My old PC, Intel Core Duo with 8 gigabytes of RAM, 800 megahertz DDR2, is now running Mint 17.1. And to be honest, it's doing it really well. This time I've decided that I'm going to switch and no going back. 2. Installation and Shakedown the installation was easy peasy. Really, what does that actually mean? <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded the Linux Mint 17.1 Cinnamon Distro ISO, burnt a DVD and booted my PC to the DVD and installed the OS. I declined the offer of a dual boot as the PC had an outdated copy of WinXP on it. Man, there's still a lot of WinXP running around. There certainly is. <laughs> Golly. It worked without a hitch. The only configuration I had to do after 
installing was to configure my dual screen setup and to run a software update job done. The operation of Mint is excellent. Everything runs smoothly and everything I initially need is there, including codecs for sound and vision and the bits needed to edit the system. One of the really great things about Linux and False is that the one installation has everything you need, so one install is all you need. Forget the OS install followed by the Office install followed by etc etc. But watch distro. Of course this brings us to the first discussion point. What do we need in a distro? My conclusion here is that is a personal choice. This of course is why Linux is so good. Not only are us basic users spoilt with the large number of possible ways to work out more experiences. Brethren are also able to build their own configurations. This way of working feeds the curiosity of the hacker and also encourages us lesser mortals to get our electronic hands dirty in fixing or fiddling to. Of course, I'm also thinking about the Linux future too, but more about this later as I get my thoughts together. Okay, so part three, the first changes. So I've tried and liked Mint. I'm sticking with it, as this is what I promised myself I'd do. Yes, I'd like to try Ubuntu Mate, but we'll save this treat for later on. Mint is great, but needs some functionality specific to my needs. So here's a list of the things I've changed or added. First off is Dropbox. I've been using this for a while as a working area between my various computers and phones. That's the way I use it as well. Uh, so it's an essential software for me. The Mint install of Dropbox was flawless and only hampered by me not being able to remember my Dropbox password at the first attempt. Hey, I've been known <laughs> to do that as well. Uh, that's why I use LastPass. Um, Next, Citrix Receiver. My work systems are all hosted and accessed by Citrix Zen desktop systems. Yes, the move to a hosted solution is my fault too, but this should be okay, right? Well, yes. The install and configuration of Citrix was easy too. I just had to set up a link between the security certificate location and the Mozilla working files. This required a bit of console work, but this was well described in some helpful... <clears throat> help files. Now I can work from home. Oh, great. I've also moved to Chromium now so that I can synchronize with my Google and Chrome world. It does worry me how Google I am, especially with my Android phones. I also have had a good amount of success in getting my Linux box to talk to my NASes. I have two. One is a Netgear Ready NAS, and this is very easy to connect to. The other is a Buffalo Terra Station. This I bought as it runs Linux, but while it runs SMB and can easily chat to Windows boxes, I've previously had issues getting it to talk to another Linux PC. However, Mint has somehow sorted this. Another bonus of this distro. Step 4. <clears throat> Stepping up the pace. Day-to-day -day work is all very good and very productive, and all in all, Mint is growing on me. There are now some other features that I need to get sorted. First off, music. I pretty much always listen while I work, and in Windows land, use the most fantastic FUBAR player. 
I have run a test on the music players available through the Mint Software Store and I'm now living with Audacious as this is the closest to FUBAR. Next up is a replacement for a data store application. I have for years used a note-taking software that presents data as files in a directory tree structure. I've used Jot plus Notes for this and as no Linux version is available I've had to research options again. I am now happy with Cherry Tree as a replacement however as the two softwares don't have a common format I'm having to manually transfer data. This is a bummer. I have also discovered Task Coach which is very helpful cross-platform task scheduler. I've posted a description of this to the Google Plus community. Okay and number five of six. <laughs> Getting physical. My father has bought a new PC. His old box needed sorting but was not quite good enough for a Linux upgrade. Besides, Dad was rightly worried about the contents of the hard drive. Normally, I'd use a disk wiper to sort this, but this time I've chosen a different tack. So a bit of open box surgery and the new disk was soon installed in my Linux box. But how to set it up and make it part of the system? I have used Gparted to configure and format the disk, but getting access to the storage space has been a bit more puzzling. So some reading and investigation of the use of Chow and Chamad and all is sorted. The space is there and available to me. As the disk is only 250 gigabytes, I'm not sure about moving my home directory to the new disk. This whole exercise has been a great learning curve. And step six, all quiet on the Linux front. So smoothly is it all running that I have not really had much to write about in the past few weeks. I have now worked in Linux land for four months and all is well, very well. I have not made any changes to my Mint installation. I have just got on with doing things. A while ago I mentioned my laptop Debian install. Well, this is now a Ubuntu Mate machine and that too is doing really well. So two is my daughter's laptop which was XP, another XP machine, <laughs> <laughs> and she is as happy with this operating system as the Mint Windows XP and Windows 7. For a, a nine-year-old there is no issue. They all work just a bit differently. Over the last five years the Linux community has made some amazing advances and I think that we are now at the point of maturity that makes Linux a real alternative for users of all abilities. The ease of install, the fully featured setup, and fault-free working are all here. That said, I still think that Linux will only be popular with those of us who are happy to fiddle and faddle. But with the minority status come a cool cachet, maybe we should stick with that. Take care and keep up the good work. Well, that was a fabulous description of one person's journey through wow. adopting uh, Linux. Yeah, and it goes through all the stages, the early stages of being exposed to it through some trials and tribulations, getting it up and running, choosing the right distro, finding one that actually works for, in this case, Martin. And then moving on to stability as you tweak it to your own 
preferences and then moving on and learning something new. In this case, Ubuntu Mate that he promised himself early on in this story that he would uh, defer to later and then eventually got working on his daughter's laptop. So that's absolutely fantastic. And for the love of God, please get rid of that Windows XP. Anybody that's still running it, get rid of it. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Well, a lot of people, you know, it it was a very functional, very easy to use operating system. You know, it had its trials and troubles and so on, you know, with viruses and spyware. And it was uh, the best running Windows out there. Unfortunately, it wasn't as uh, resistant to infection as the more modern versions with anti-spyware and anti-virusware being built into Windows. But it worked and it was easy to, easy to understand and a lot of people really liked it and didn't move on because a the older hardware couldn't handle the later yeah. versions of windows and b why should they you know fix something that's not broken yeah. so but it's no longer supported so yeah so you have to move on and linux is a great choice because it gives you a lot of familiarity in a lot of the distros of windows xp and yet a modern well supported operating system yeah that's currently being developed and continues to be developed. So, yeah, uh, thanks for that, Martin. That was, that was a great Gonlytic story. Okay, application picks. I really have been working a lot with Git and Bitbucket lately. Uh, so those are my two application picks. Uh, they are really for developers and contributing to open source projects, and that's exactly what I'm doing with it. And since I've been slacking, I don't have one this time. That's okay. Uh, we'll have links to Git or GitHub and Bitbucket if you're interested in exploring those a little bit further. So we don't have a topic for our next episode yet. We will by the time we record it, I promise you. And so <laughs> we'll move on with uh, describing what our next episode is because we can't. <laughs> Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.